tonight, uh, I thought our message with this, I guess, really beginning the Easter season, as, as we know today is Palm Sunday. Uh, if you uh, are aware of what that means, that was Jesus. Uh, the last week of his life, he entered uh, into Jerusalem riding on a young donkey, and as he came into the city, uh, they laid palm branches out in front of him, uh, and he was hailed as a king. Uh, and not less than a week later, uh, he's hanging on the cross. So, you know, it, it seemed to me that uh, as, we, as we entered this season and this week, uh, I felt like it was kind of important for us to review what that means to us as Christians. Uh, so, uh, as, as we look at uh, the different passages in the Bible, I, I think what I wanted to do was kind of give you uh, a, a message from, from Paul's perspective of going from a devout Jew to a devout practicing Christian. So let me start uh, this evening. Uh, the, the text is why we need Jesus. Uh, and I've taken it from uh, chapters 7 and 8 from Romans. Uh, and we're going to start uh, with uh, the text from Romans chapter 7 verses 14, 14 through 25. Uh, then we're probably going to back up a little bit, get some background, get some historical data. Then we're going to move forward and, uh, and look at uh, chapter 8. So let's look at Romans 7 verses 14 through 25. And I read... We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this new law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work with me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Now, as we, as we look at that passage, uh, and, and we kind of bring that into our lives, have you, think about that, have you ever thought uh, when you became a Christian uh, and you started doing your Christian walk, does this kind of sound about the way that you walk in your Christian walk? You know, you, 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 you come to church, 
and you hear a, a great sermon or you hear a group of great songs and you walk out the door and you make yourself a promise this week I'm going to be a better Christian I'm going to live up to God's standard and on the way home from church somebody runs a stop sign and cuts you off and all of a sudden your thoughts about being a better Christian go right out the window ever had that experience I have that experience all the time. I, you know, as I study the Word and, and prepare Sunday school lessons, you know, when I'm in the Word and I'm concentrating on God, I'm thinking, I'm going to be a better Christian. And then I get out there in the world or I get around work or I get around other people who are not Christians, and boy, it's tough. Well, this was Paul's dilemma. Think about Paul before he had his encounter with Jesus. Paul was a devout Jew. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He was a persecutor of the church. And he made every effort to follow the law of God. He delighted in the law of God. Now what happened to him on the road to Damascus? He encountered Christ. changed his thinking didn't it and he is relating to us his experience of coming from trying to follow the law and being changed to now following the law of the spirit so let's back up just a little bit here and look at the beginning of chapter 7 and I think it'll clarify our passage and then we're going to move to chapter 8 which is going to explain why we can't live by the law look at look at the first five or six verses of chapter 7 remember as, as Paul wrote this letter uh, and if you want to know anything about being a Christian and being saved by grace through faith Romans is the place to go I mean you know Paul wrote this letter with the sole desire of explaining his gospel and, and he got some kickback from that you know one of the things that as he wrote to the Romans one of the things that the Jews told him was that if we don't have the law it's going to cause us to sin more one of the other things they said was that because you say we live by grace that if we sin more, God has more grace. So if we live by grace without the law, then we can sin all we want to. Wouldn't that be nice? Just live any old way we want to and don't have to worry about it. Of course, Paul disputed both of those. But one of the things he says right here in chapter 7 is that even though you're trying to live under the law, it's not possible. Because the law, when you have it, creates excitement in your sinful nature. Let me, let me give you an example. You know, the law given, and, and Paul gives this example of do not covet. And of course, we know the Ten Commandments is, you know, do not do this or do not do that. You know, external things that we're supposed to do. 
And Paul says in, in the message, before that law came, I had a clear conscience. You know, I, if I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to covet, when I coveted, my conscience was clear. Nobody told me I couldn't do that. But what happened when the law came? His conscience was no longer clear, was it? So, so now he knew that he was sitting. So the law was given so that you could identify what sin was. But look what he says. So my brothers and sisters, you also died of the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. So, so what does that mean? What, what is Paul saying here? When you were a child and your parents told you not to do something, what was your first reaction a lot of times? I'm going to see how I can get away with that. Is that, is that, that kind of what you think? You know, you're driving down the interstate at 70 miles an hour and you know that's the, that's the speed limit. And, and, and the police say, don't go over 70 miles an hour. And what's, what, what's your thought? Anybody here drive 70 miles an hour? I, I drive the interstate three times a week, and I can assure you, if you're driving 70 miles an hour, you're the slowest thing on the highway. But, but your response to that is, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm my own person. You're not going to dictate to me. So, so it brings up this, this, this nature that you're not going to listen to somebody. But just to the reverse of that, it also brings up the idea of pride. Think about how the Pharisees reacted to the law. What was their response? It wasn't that. Their response is, not a problem, God. I got this. I can live according to the law. And not only can I live according to the law, I can do it perfectly. I know how to do that. So, so if the law brings that out in us, is the law bad? And of course, Paul responds to that saying, no, certainly, certainly not, it's not bad. So if the law does that, it brings up that day. What was the purpose of God giving us the law in the first place? Certainly, we just talked about one of the reasons he did that was so that we could identify sin for sin. But the, one of the other reasons is he gave us the law to point us to a better way to righteousness. Now, as we think about trying to live under the law and Paul living under the law, could living the law bring righteousness? I don't think so. As a matter of fact, I know not. Because to have righteousness under the law, what did you have to do? You had to meet every command of the law. 
Did anybody do that? Was that even possible? Well, according to Paul, certainly not. It wasn't possible because with your sinful nature, you started out. The moment you looked at the law with your sinful nature, that law took you on a path to death. So there was no possible way you could have righteousness under the law. So Paul had this dilemma. And that's what we read in 14 through 25. He wanted to follow the law. He wanted to follow the law, every letter of the law. But look what he tells us that he did. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have Paul's faith. I'm not that big of a warrior in Christ. And if Paul, with his great faith, couldn't follow the law, what is a sinner like me going to do? Don't have any possible way to do that. And look at Paul's anguish. If you've got your Bibles, look at, look at verse 24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Do you, do you feel the anguish in him? And the anguish is because he, in his own power, can't please God. Now think about that from our standpoint as a Christian. Are we in that same boat? You know, as I was preparing this, this lesson, you know, it, it, it's amazing when you, sometimes you got to be careful what you pray for because you get it. And, and I was preparing this lesson and, and was wondering, well, you know, this was under the law. How can I demonstrate that? in a Christian walk in today's society. Open the Wall Street Journal on Saturday. Front page story was a story on teen suicide. It had two full pages discussing this topic and they were looking at teen suicide in Utah. And if you don't know this, Utah is the most religious state in the United States and over the last two years they've had a huge increase in teen suicides. As a matter of fact the number one death cause of teenagers in Utah is suicide. As scary as that is. And they were studying cluster suicides which means a person commits suicide and then a week or a month or six months later, two or three others of their friends commit suicide. It was a heartbreaking story. And they went into these schools, counselors and everybody, started talking to these kids to try to come up with some kind of rationale about, you know, what is it that leads you down this road? You know, number one, not the, 
the main cause, and certainly not the only cause, but you know one of the causes that these children were stating? They didn't feel like they could live up to the perfections required by the church. And not only the church, but by their parents. Now, I don't know if you know, but, but the Mormons in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you know, preach works. You have to go do stuff to please God. And these kids were depressed because they couldn't meet that standard. In today's world, in a New Testament church age, we have kids expressing that kind of thing. That's what we're talking about here with Paul. He says, you know, I was doing everything I could to please God. But when I came face to face with the resurrected Christ, I realized it was impossible. And of course, as he converted and studied, he realized there was a better way. God was pointing with the law and with the prophets to a better way to God. And let's look at that way. Let's go to chapter 8. And look at chapter 8. Life through the Spirit. Verse 1, therefore, and this therefore goes back to that discussion we were just talking about. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Does anybody know why there's no condemnation in Christ? You know, point blank, Paul just comes right out and says, you know, after his discussion about not following the law, there's no condemnation in Christ. Because there's no condemnation in Christ is because we're righteous in Christ. When we're saved and we live by the Holy Spirit... God recognizes us as righteous because of Christ's righteousness. And remember when Christ came and died and walked on the earth and died on the cross, you know, when he walked on the earth, did he fulfill the law? Yes, he did. Do you know how he did that? He obeyed every command. He lived the law and perfect righteousness and because of that righteousness when he died on the cross and took our penalty on him now God says because he did that I recognize you as righteous also And if you're righteous before God, 
Can you be condemned by God? Can we lose that righteousness? Can we lose our salvation? I don't, I don't think so. Let, let's go over and look at, look at John 10. If you've got your Bibles, look at John 10. We're going to be looking at verses 25 through 29. Jesus said, I t- did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they know me. I gave them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one, no one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You see, when you live by the Spirit, when you have Jesus Christ, when you walk in the Spirit, you belong to God. You can't be condemned when you belong to God. Look at verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be his sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Why did we say the law was powerless to save us? Look at the second half of that sentence. Because it was weakened by the flesh. How was it weakened by the flesh? Because it arouses the sinful nature. If we're walking in the sinful nature, we're not walking with God. So if you're trying to walk in your own power to be saved, It's not possible. You can't do that. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. The righteous requirement of the laws we just talked about is you need to live If you were under the law, every commandment of the law can't do that. They couldn't do it. But because Jesus did, we now have a way to gain that righteousness that they couldn't. Because what happens when we belong to Jesus? You know, when you're you're saved and you trust in Jesus, what happens to you? You receive the Holy Spirit, right? You're now walking with the Holy Spirit. You're now walking with His power. So what's the difference between trying to walk in the Old Testament in the sin nature and walking with the Spirit in the New Testament, in the church age? Because when you're walking in the law, or you're walking in your own accord, you're trying to live by external factors. You've got people telling you what to do. And your sinful nature is so powerful, you're just not going to be able to do that. But when you walk by the Spirit, now what are you walking by? You're walking by a changed heart. 
internal. You see, it's not the external that's causing you to do what you do. It's now the internal. You now have the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you a new direction. Not because you pick up a book and say, I can't go dancing. Or I can't smoke. Or I can't drink. Or I can't do all the other things that, that are out there. And there's a lot of churches out there who spend their time telling people what they can't do so they can live a better Christian life. Not going to work. Look at verse 5. This is why. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. What, what, is, what does the Spirit desire for? You know, when, we, when we're saved and we have the Spirit and we're living by the Spirit, what does that Spirit desire? Maybe to do God's will? And if the Spirit desires us to do God's will, how do we know what that is? Wondered about that? You know, I, I, you know, I hear people say, I walk by the Spirit. When was the last time you picked up your Bible? Is it sitting on your coffee table collecting dust? I can assure you that if you don't spend time in God's Word on a regular basis, not only will you not know what God's will is, you're not going to walk in the Spirit. Because the Spirit directs and guides by the Word of God. And if you don't have that Word of God, you don't have the Spirit. And if you don't have the Spirit, guess what? You're not saved. I don't care if you call yourself a Christian or not. Now, you know, don't throw rocks at me. I hope everybody in this room is a Christian. I know they are. But I want to tell you why and how we can be a better Christian. What being a Christian means. Look in our morally corrupt society today. Do we have a lot of people calling themselves Christian? Everybody you talk to says, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. I'm a Christian. Do their actions back that up? Most of the time, no. And the reason they don't is because they're claiming one thing and the sinful nature is doing something else. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. If you're spending your time trying to be 
a better Christian in your own power, you're going to fail. Because you're walking in the power of the sinful nature and not in the power of the Spirit. And if you're not in the power of the Spirit, you're not going to please God. You, however, direct this to y'all, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If, look at, look at this if, you are in the realm, you are walking by the Spirit if, big if, indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If you trust in the Savior and you receive the Holy Spirit, if you have that Spirit, then you're walking in the Spirit. If you don't have that Spirit of God, you're not walking in the Spirit. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of of righteousness. What a tremendous promise. Remember this coming up weekend the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And the gospel message says that if we put our trust in him because he was raised we will be raised. Tremendous promise. Do we keep that in mind? You know, we, we, we go through the Christmas season and most of us think about bunnies and chocolate and Easter egg hunts and all this other stuff. But do we think about what Christ did for us and what he did what it means for us before he died on the cross and rose again did we have any hope of having a relationship with God no now we do and now he promises if we do this body that goes in the grave is going to come back up out of the grave and just as a little side note, I, I was doing some other studying. Remember the story of Lazarus and the, the rich man when they died? And when Lazarus died, what happened to him? Remember that story? Parable? When he died, the angels escorted him to heaven. Think about that. You're not going to die alone. You've got God there with you. He's with us here, and He's going to be with us then. No reason to have fear. No reason to walk in fear. Look at verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. What's our obligation? You know, it says, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. What's an obligation? 
Something we're supposed to do, right? What's Paul talking about? What's our obligation? Obligation is we have to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. You can't say, I'm a Christian, and go do anything you want. You're not a Christian. Paul says we have an obligation to walk in the Spirit. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. See, see, when we're saved, that put to death that obligation of trying to do things on our own. We don't have to worry about getting up every day and going to the temple and making a sacrifice or going to do this or going to do that. Because when we're walking in the Spirit, we have a changed heart. And how do we get that? How does that come to us? That comes as a free gift of God called grace. We didn't earn that. You know, we think about the things that we can do to please God. Anybody think they can please God? I know I can't. I seem to do just the opposite on a regular basis. But because He came to us, while we were sinners, He came to us and gave us His grace, we now have His Spirit. And because we have His Spirit, we can now do the things that he wants us to do. Look at, look at verse 15. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. How powerful is that? We're part of God's family because what God did for us. And it's eternal. And it can't be taken away. And if that doesn't give you cause for celebration this Easter... I don't know. I can't help you. We ought to be on our knees every day this week thanking God that he came to us and that he was willing to send his son to die on the cross. Now, you know, as, as we're Christians, you know, when we're saved and we walk by the Spirit, does that mean our sinful nature is going to go away? You know, do, you know, we're saved and we're made righteous in the eyes of God. And so now our sinful nature has been taken away. Right? 
Well, let me ask you a question. Uh, anybody sin over the last day? Hour? Two days? No, your sinful nature is not going to go away. Because we walk in the Spirit doesn't mean we're not going to sin. Why is that? You know, we've overcome, as Christ overcame the devil and the demons, we've overcome. So why are we still sinning? Primarily because as we grow in the faith and we get, you know, think of it this way. When you graduate from college, whatever it is that you do, were you as good the first day out of college as you were 10 years down the road? You know, if you were an accountant or an engineer or a pastor, you know, was your first sermon as good as your 100th sermon or your 200th sermon? Well, the same way we are as Christians, when we walk by the Spirit, how much of the Word of God do we know? How much power do we have in the Spirit? Not very much. We're newborn babes in Christ. But part of our discipleship and part of our growing in Christ is to strengthen that Spirit. And the more we learn from the Word to give up our will to Christ, the less and less we're going to be influenced by the sinful nature. That's why, you know, when you talk about people who, who believe in Jesus, I, I just don't like that word. Because you're saved by putting your trust in Jesus, by submitting your will and what you want to do to what Jesus wants you to do and when you learn to do that and you learn to surrender to him and surrender to the spirit then you will have peace you know Chris talked about you know having problems come against us and we know we're going to have our faith tested but when you understand that no matter what comes against you, you've already conquered it. It's, it's a done deal. You know, you, 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 you hear all these people talking about revelations and they talk about the great battle that's going to come at the end. Let me give you the end of the story. God won. There ain't no battle. The same way with us. When you're dealing with problems, you've won. You've conquered. You've conquered because Christ conquered. And you're part of his family. And he's standing there side by side with you. Can anything come against you? Look at the, look at the New Testament. How many people got put to death? Look at the persecution in our world today. It's going to come. Jesus said, if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. Doesn't matter. We already won. I look forward 
as Paul did when he said, I'd rather be out of the body because I know where I'm going, because I know what I got. And I hope this Easter season that you take the time to thank God that you have the same promise. Because that's what we hope in. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for giving us your word. Father, thank you for your promises that you've given us that we can come to you and worship you and glorify you and glorify your son. Thank you, Father, for giving us your grace that we can have a righteous relationship with you. Father, we, as we come through this season, let us remember what you've done for us. That even though sometimes we think we're doing good, we know that we're not good. It's only because of your grace and your son that we can stand before you. Father, continue to let us walk in your ways. Continue to help us spread the word that Jesus is the only way in a wicked world, Father. Lift us up. Forgive us of our sins. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.